Hello and welcome to the Travel Diaries podcast. I'm Holly Rubenstein. I'm a travel and entertainment journalist. And here each week, I'll be speaking to a very special guest about the seven chapters in their life's travel diaries. From their earliest childhood travel memory and the first place they fell in love with, to their hidden gem and what's at the top of their travel bucket list. We'll be uncovering their adventures around the world and the travel experiences and destinations that have shaped their lives. Today's guest is one who is sure to put you in a good mood. His infectious enthusiasm most recently led him to the Strictly Come Dancing final. He's a chart-topping podcaster himself, the star of the reality TV show Made in Chelsea, and a businessman, the founder of the sweetie empire Candy Kittens. It is, of course, Jamie Lang. With a father who's a travel agent and family all around the world, it's no wonder that Jamie has an insatiable appetite for travel, so much so that this is a long-haul feature-length episode. So from Peru to Japan and Turkey to Turks and Caicos, let's hear Jamie's fantastic travel diaries. Jamie Lang, welcome to the Travel Diaries. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you, first of all? Can I just quickly say, so you've already done something which no one ever does, which has got my surname right, <laughs> which is <laughs> what, insane. Lang as opposed to Lang? Yeah, that's it. That, it's so hard. <laughs> and actually, I I'm almost feel embarrassed for the person I, I mean I'm not afraid for the person I feel embarrassed for myself because I couldn't care less if people call me Lang or Lang right it doesn't really matter the right pronunciation is Lang as you said it was but it's so hard to pronounce my girlfriend doesn't even know what it is ever since growing up I was everyone called me Lang and then obviously when I started doing TV they started calling me Lang and then I did a radio show once for, for Heat Radio and I was so embarrassed because my producer always called me Jamie Lang even as I announced the show every Thursday, I called myself Jamie Lang. <laughs> but apart from that, I'm really well. How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm great, thanks. And you know what? It is so nice to be talking to you on a, on a day when we're actually at a stage where there's some good news about travel as well. Yes. Because this whole season and all of last season, which was also filmed in a lockdown, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. we've been kind of clinging on to that you know, hope, distant hope. And now we've got this timeline out of lockdown and the hope of staycations in mid-April and vacations abroad in mid-May. It's exciting. And have you seen that Boris Johnson's birthday is on the 19th of June? So which means... Stop. (laughs) No. I think he's just going to go absolutely enormous when it's his birthday. I mean, on the 21st. Yeah, yeah. Two days after his birthday. I didn't know that. I mean, I am a bit of a conspiracy theorist now, having uh, been in the only part of Surrey that, you know, when we went into that first, the lockdown around Christmas, there was one tiny part of Surrey that was left out. And it transpired that it was where like tons of MPs live. And so I just thought, oh, well, that was convenient. They're all okay. So we were able to have a normal Christmas, whereas everyone else wasn't. So yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't surprise me at all. How funny. How conspiracy theorist are you? Are you you a flat earther? (laughs) No, no. (laughs) I, 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 I am, I I think that's probably like the extent of my conspiracy. What else? Are you a conspiracy theorist? Uh, What? I mean, no, I, I, I had, I, I had, um, I do a podcast with my friend Francis Bull called Private Parts and we interviewed yeah. different guests and um, we had a guy called Carl Froch on there who's a boxer mm-hmm. 
a really yeah. big time boxer. And he's a complete conspiracy theorist, conspiracy theorist. And he said loads of things. And I was a bit like, this is a bit nuts. The one which really disturbs me, uh, but I don't obviously don't believe is how it's called the pizza gate, where they believe that they very powerful people do some terrible things to it's a bit morbid to children and then take the, 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 the fluid from the adrenal gland. Have you heard this one? No, I need to listen to that episode. That sounds no, is that sounds no, completely no. bonkers. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. You listen to it on private parts. It's a really. It was. It was almost too intense. I was like, I just don't really. This is what I always get. You know how people say. How, how do you navigate that? I know how do you navigate it. It's when people say things like, you know, I just believe in other realms and other dimensions, and I, like that's so cool, and I get that. But I'm kind of happy here. I don't really want to go anywhere else. I kind of kind of okay right here. This is okay for me. This is enough right now. Have you seen Surviving Death on Netflix? Oh, yes. Comforting, comforting. The the episode about reincarnation really messed with my head. That's the final one. You have to watch it. It was, so, I mean, that really, I thought was quite convincing. In fact, I, I would like to hear what the listeners think of that episode because that absolutely blew my brains. I've... God, we're getting quite deep. I've always struggled, not struggled, I suppose, but always wanted to feel very sort of religious and spiritual, right? Because it gives you some sort of meaning, right? And it's a really wonderful thing to have. Yeah. You know, do I, am I very religious? No, but I, do I believe there's something possibly? Yes. So um, I watched that one on Netflix and the, the mediums bit where they speak to people who have died and things like that. And I found it really comforting. Mm. I said, that's wonderful. There mm-hmm. are people, you know, beyond whatever this is. I found that really comforting and wonderful. It, I thought it was great. So I'm going to watch the reincarnation one tonight. Can't wait. Let me know what you think. I will do. <laughs> so we are going to go on a journey mm-hmm. through the seven chapters of your travel diary so far. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be many, many chapters to come, but we're going to start right now with chapter one at the very beginning, which is your earliest childhood travel memory. What would that be? So my earliest childhood memory is I was very fortunate. Um, uh, I got to travel quite a lot as a kid. My dad ran it or still runs a travel agency. Um, oh, no way. He, yeah. So it's in your blood. It's in my blood. Hey, I'm such a traveler. And so <laughs> he had all these amazing, you know, he went all these holidays all the time. And for me, I hated school and I really just didn't want to work and things like that. So travel was like, it was like holidays. So when I got to travel, it was holidays. Um, mm-hmm. And I still remember getting on planes and sitting right at the back of it and sitting on my seat, on the corner of my seat on the armrest so I could look above and see the TV screen, you know, because you had one TV screen and watching Home Alone yeah. on these flights. And for me, my first chapter, this sounds... <laughs> really quite privileged but um my my grandfather we called him grand turk mm-hmm. and it's because he lived in the turks and caicos islands uh oh. and he was an amazing guy he was actually worked for mi5 weirdly and did you was, know that at the time or only more recently i, I didn't know it i only found out recently wow. and he lived in the turks and caicos Islands. we called him grand turk so every single summer we would try with the cousins so it was my family my dad my mom my sisters my brother etc we would uh fly to the turks and caicos islands with uh, my our cousins and you'd have to do a layover in Miami and every single time we used to do it I used to be furious I used to be so angry because I couldn't understand why it was your Amy and not my Amy we we're going to my why is it your Amy <laughs> I don't understand why it's your Amy I want it to be my Amy and so going to Turks and Caicos it was just this amazing experience we used to go on the beach every single day it was 
complete white sand, blue seas, no one at all there, completely rustic. I think it's changed a lot now. I haven't been back. And it was just this time of just... It's where I got to eat Lucky Charms in some holidays, and that's why I loved it. <laughs> oh, sounds blissful. I mean, that's a, so Turks and Caicos is a Caribbean island. Mm-hmm, what kind mm-hmm. of sets it a- apart from the others? Like, what are the things about Turks and Caicos that make it what it is? For me, I think that there's a lot of the Caribbean islands have been quite built up and quite touristy. Uh, and the Turks and Caicos islands um, are a bunch of different islands around the place. And the little one that we went to called Grand Turk, was just amazing. I remember we used to land there and everyone knew my granddad, Robin Lang. Everyone knew him. So everywhere we used to land, everyone would go, you know, oh, Robin Lang's grandchildren, hello and welcome. Because they they loved him. He did so much for the community there. But it was, you know, there were no big hotels. Uh, it was a really community vibe. The, the beaches were empty. You know, it was just this amazing place where we were so welcomed it was so wonderful. It was like a, an adventure playground. And we would have adventures all the time on these beaches. And what I would do is I would go to the white sand beaches every single day. And I would go to them and find it. Do you know if you ever find glass in the water and it's kind of been smoothed down and it's different colors, like a green or a blue. And you mm-hmm. used to find them beaches. In Grand Turk, you'd find that. And I collected them all the time, these different colored pieces of glass that had been smoothed down by the ocean. And it was just a wonderful time. It's when I look back at my childhood, I think that was just heaven. It was amazing. It's amazing. Mm, that sounds so happy and yeah. gorgeous. It's funny that you stopped off in Miami because that's where my grandparents lived. Really? Um, and so that's where all of my summer holidays were. Um, did you get to, to spend any time there or was it just a layover in, in, in it, your Miami? Yeah, Miami. Um, it was just a layover. And I remember we used to stay sometimes in a hotel because the timings for the flight was different. And I always had a problem with wetting the bed as a kid. I always had to feed the bed. And I remember I shared a bed with my sister, who was older than me, and then my other sister, my other brother, was in the other bed, and I peed the bed. And I remember I hid underneath the bed the entire time because I was so embarrassed. And my sister was trying to tell me to come out, and I was like, no, I'm not coming out because I'm too embarrassed. And it was just because also (laughs) family is amazing. Being young and that innocent was incredible. The adventures we went on, it was just any, and I always wanted to be older than I was. I always wanted to be, I wanted to be, you know, 20 or 18. No, bring me back to that childhood where I just didn't care about anything. It was just incredible and amazing. Just loved every minute of it. So moving on to chapter two, that is the first place that you fell in love with. Where would that be? Now, this is a tricky one, right? Because I I thought it, there's a place where I went Um which was amazing, but it's the first time I fell in love, not with a place, but with a person. Does mm-hmm. that, can we use that one? Because I feel of like, it, okay. Because really I have kind of two loves, right? Uh, and it was a tricky one, this one, because I, one place I fell in love with someone and the other place I fell in love for a different reason. So I'm going to sort of give a double whammy here. And I know that's unfair, but I'm going to go for it. Give it a go. The first, I, I, we took a uh, a boat ride. So my parents kind of, my parents got divorced when I was eight years old and I went to a boarding school and I really hated school and all these different things. And and my mum took us on the first holiday that um, I remember being away, away from my dad and things like that. And we went on this amazing kind of wooden boat and we sailed around Turkey mm-hmm. and we were sailing around Turkey different things. And we went with a couple of other families 
And it was the first time that I had, was a bit grown up. Always before, I, you know, we went to Club Med or we went to Disneyland or we went to take care of our parents were kind of always there and looking after us. And this one was the first time we could sleep. We, we were able to sleep on the deck of this wicked sailing boat. Um, and we were allowed to go to the restaurants by ourselves. And all these kind of things was a big group of us kids. So it's the first time I grew up and I fell in love with one of the girls from the other family. <laughs> fell in love with her. Um, and... So it was just amazing. And I remember crying at the end of the trip. I really didn't want to go home because this, it was just, it was the first time I'd felt sort of free. And that sounds weird, right? But it was the first time I felt free. And perhaps it was the ocean. Perhaps it was uh, the place we are. But it was the first time I feel like my parents said, go on, do your own thing. And I must have been 10 or 11. And I fell in love with this person as well on that. So Turkey sailing, sailing around the sort of coast of there and all around Turkey, that for me was just... It was unbelievable and really sticks in my mind. But my mum hated it. My mum tells us now she hated it more than anything. But did I need to know, did you, you know, did anything happen with the girl? We kissed. We oh, kissed. It was my so first nice. kiss. Oh, how romantic. I know. It was so romantic. <laughs> we kissed. It was amazing. I was in love with her. Um, she was also two foot taller than me, which is even better. <laughs> well, it's fine when you're both lying down on a boat, like on the deck. Yeah, it? yeah, that's true. That is true. Even at 10 years old, whatever I was. <laughs> so, so that one was incredible. But the first person, first place I actually fell in love with, uh, maybe it's cliche, maybe a lot of people have said this, but it was New York. Uh, mm-hmm. I went to New York and I remember coming out of the airport in New York and JFK and I remember smelling and I remember thinking, God, I, I really like this smell. I was like, I really liked it. It was really amazing. And the funny thing about it was I was at university at the time, must have been 20 years old. And I went to a bank to uh, found out, I took out a student overdraft in the bank and I spent it all on a trip to New York with my girlfriend at the time. (laughs) The worst way ever to spend money. And um, we went to New York and I came across a place there called Dylan's Candy Bar. And Dylan's Candy Bar is Ralph Lauren daughter's sweet shop. And if you imagine the Harrods or Hamleys of sweet shops, it's like that. They have them all over. But the main one's in New York, the flagship store. And I went in there and people were buying $200, $300 of sweets at the till. And I remember thinking, this is what I want to do in the UK. I want to do exactly this, but it replicated in the UK. And that was where my initial idea for Candy Kittens came from. So not only did, which is my sweet company that I have and I founded. So not only was it a place where I walked out and there was this amazing smell. I was like, God, I love, this smells great for some reason. But I also had this uh, dream of Candy Kittens from New York. So so New York is the first place I fell in love with. And, you know, it's interesting... Talking about candy kittens, I mean, it was when I was doing a bit of research for today's episode. Obviously, I'm aware I was aware of it, um, but I didn't realise what an enormous, extremely enormous success it's been. And and um, I don't think it's so, funny in a way you. because they're, they're introduced. They introduce you always as Maiden Chelsea's Jamie mm. Lang or Jamie Lang. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but really, like it's businessman Jamie Lang, right? Well, I, I mean, do you know what? I, I sort of, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I, I was I was fortunate in a lot of ways because I was on a TV show and I got to promote my, my business that I was thinking about and all this kind of stuff. And the idea that we had loads of money is totally not true. We didn't have loads of money at all to start the business. And actually, my parents thought it was a terrible idea. Um, so... But but also at the same time, I did Made in Chelsea for 10 years. And so people kind of remind me for that. I always think this. I think that a lot of people have a, a stigma against what they're called. I want to be called a businessman. Or I want to be called a race car driver or this and that. The fact that even people 
know who I am or want to listen to this podcast or, or want to eat our sweets and things like that. That's pretty cool. So you can call me yeah. anything you want. You can call me a douchebag. I don't, I don't really mind. But I'm very proud of the business that we built over the past eight, nine years. Um, and it's Yeah, anyone, I mean, hit me with some stats about it. It is doing pretty well. Um, it is. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I don't know why I get, I think it's imposter syndrome. I don't really know. But um, uh, we're the fastest growing confectionery company in the UK, which is we, we sell a packet of sweets every 12 seconds. That's amazing. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. We, we sort of, uh, sort of, we created a sweet brand, a sweet category, which is never created called, before called gourmet gummy candy. Um, and so we've done some pretty cool things, but I can tell you this right now. It was totally down, down to naivety and not really knowing what we're doing. All of our mistakes actually led us to the success that we are. And, mm. I, and I encourage anyone out there who is starting a brand, especially young people, right? Follow your gut. Be naive. Being naive is great. Don't follow what everyone else has done because it gets you back in the same place as everybody else. Go against the grain. Don't follow logic. Do something which you think is going to be great. And, and most of the time, um, it will be much more of a success than you think. Hmm. Good advice. Does that make any sense? I don't know. Was that good advice? Yeah, very good advice. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think we'll come on to Strictly in a bit, but we saw that same kind of absolute positivity there, which is just obviously such an endearing quality that you have. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but you were cast on Made in Chelsea and, and you were billed as the heir to the McVitie's empire. The, yeah, the, yeah. And so he, the founder of McVitie's was your great-grandfather, great was so, it? So I think there's this... So my great great grandfather guy called alexander grant who was actually one of the, like an he was an incredible businessman he um built mcvitie's up invented the digestive biscuit and is still one of the kind of renowned as one of the great kind of uh, entrepreneurs and a really mm. impressive amazing guy um it was in the family it was passed down we sold it in the 80s um to united biscuits i think it was and you know, for Made in Chelsea, it was a great story. This guy whose grandfather invented the digestive and he was heir to this fortune and all these different things. I haven't seen a penny of that fortune. <laughs> you know, it was sold many years ago. And there's something called the third generation curse, which is a, if you, if any listener goes and Googles it now, it's actually a true thing. Basically, grandfather makes the money, father maintains it, son loses it. It happens all <laughs> the time. And pretty much in our family, it was the same thing. So, you know, there comes a point, you know, I was blessed with going on lovely holidays and going to a boarding school. But in terms of being given this money to live, no, I have to, I have to work for everything that I do, like 99.9% .9 of the country. And that's a great thing, though. You get a purpose and do stuff, right? But would you say that, like, did that inspire you with Candy Kittens? That confectionery was kind of in your blood. Did it point you in that direction would you say do you know what it's, it's so interesting I get asked that and I and I have to be honest no it, it really wasn't what okay. inspired me what inspired me was I just didn't I was never good at being told what to do <laughs> I was kid with this ADD all over the place or ADHD whatever they want to call it I couldn't sit still I was always getting in trouble nearly suspended I was amazing at sport right so I was very sporty and if I channeled my energy in the right place um, it kind of did okay. And I remember my stepfather, who is a great guy, a real cool dude, who's, who's chairman of my business, actually. He said to me once, Jamie, if we harness your energy and put it in the right direction, you could do some cool things. Um, and I kind of took note of that. And what I realized is that I sat, I sat once in a, um, my mom got me an internship at an insurance company. <laughs> and I was meant to be for two months over a summer. <laughs> I lasted two days. 
and quit and then have to wake up every single day and pretend to put my suit on and pretend to go to work so my mum would never know still doesn't know to this day pretty much and it was because I realized straight away yeah that I couldn't do something if I didn't enjoy it and also people I think even more so now because of social media we're obsessed with being successful financially and trust me now money without a doubt it brings freedom it brings um ease because you can afford things. It brings a lot of great things, but it doesn't fundamentally make you happy. Uh, doing something that you love every single day, that will really make you happy. And I was lucky enough to find that. Mm. Um, so for me, it was realizing from a very early age that I would never really wanted to do something which someone else was doing. I wanted to do something by myself. I didn't know it was being an entrepreneur, but I just knew I just didn't want to do anything that anyone else is doing. Hmm. That's really interesting. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK. And in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world, thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers just like I do. Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. <laughs> and and so we're, we're we're still on chapter two, the first the first place you fell in love with, and and we we I suppose we all fell in love with you first when you were on Maiden Chelsea. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, like that was my you know my early twenties was watching was leaving um, I think it was well, on a Tuesday night leaving social occasions early so that I could go back and watch watch Maiden and Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a Monday uh, night. It was a was Monday, it a Monday night. night. Yeah, a Monday yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. going that going back it. early. <laughs> So, and now it's on season, we just had season 20, right? Did we? Season 58, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. So as someone who 
was it was a real avid watcher my guilty pleasure mm-hmm. and it was like glamorous parties yeah. brunches mm-hmm. bitching and infidelity yeah. yes i'm really i'm i'm just really curious because i've never actually got to speak to someone on a show like this you know how true was that reality to your life so it's with all these things it's a tv show so it's volumed up right they turn the volume up uh, I've always said this. They've never, ever told me to say anything, to do anything. I've always, it's always been off my own back. But when you do a TV show like that, um, at the beginning, it's just a hobby. It's a bunch of mates hanging around and having a fun time. The problem what happens is, is that it then becomes a job because you realize that you, it's quite fun and you get to travel the world and you get to pay to do it. And the more you're in the storyline, the more people respond to you so what happens is mm-hmm. it's a bit of a vicious cycle where you end up doing things that probably you're not proud of you probably end up getting in fights that you shouldn't get in you're probably having arguments and comments that you probably wouldn't care about but you're doing it because you know that you have to make a tv show and so it's not fake in any way whatsoever but you as an individual you're inclined to create the drama because that's what you want to do. And that's how you saw it. But it's all real. It's all true. You're not scripted in any way. But it's a TV show. You want to create stuff. So so you you and your does own that, head. Do does it. that not mess with your head though a bit? Like in totally, the sense yeah, that yeah. it do you do you is there like a weird blurring of boundaries between what is for yeah. what's real life and what's for TV? Yeah, so that was that's an interesting comment. I had a real struggle with that. And I think a lot of the time actors i was about to compare myself to daniel day lewis <laughs> the 400 time oscar winner. full method yeah, yeah, full method but when you the actors normally spread out their films they do it for two months three months four months and then they do the rest of the year off and they do it again and because psychologically it's quite hard you get into this role you do it things like that Made in chelsea was an all-year thing we filmed over 200 days a year it was constant it was volume. I was the entertaining guy. I am, you know, I'm, I'm loud and, you know, all these different things. But that all the time, what happens is, is that you then forget what reality and forget what reality TV is and what normal life is. And so you feel like you have to be the person you are on the show in real life. And that sounds weird, right? You go, well, why yeah. can't you separate like it? Like amped up. You, yeah, because mm-hmm. you're everyone, you're, you're being funny on the show all the time and having a great time and ha 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 and laughing. And what you suddenly realize is that you end up doing that in everyday life as well. And you can't separate the two. And the problem with that, it's not that you don't know what reality is and what isn't. We totally do. It's just you forget actually what your personality is. Am I always meant to be this funny guy all the time? Or am I able to just sit there and be calm at some points? And for me, it was tricky Mm -hmm. to realize that actually people liked me, even if I wasn't loud and funny all the time. Actually, it's pretty annoying when you're loud and funny all the time. But doing a show like that for 10 years, you have to have your head screwed on. And the reason why most people don't really do it for 10 years and do it for four years is it becomes, it's quite heavy. Um, But I sort of, I just love the world of television and Monkey Kingdom is a fantastic production agency and it's an amazing show and I, and all those things. Um, And I love this world of television. So I was, I'm pretty persistent with stuff and that's what it would be. Yes, it is tricky. And you've taken a step back from it now, have you? Yes, that's the wording I like to put. (laughs) Yeah, I've taken a step back for the moment. (laughs) So has that been like quite cathartic for you? in a way has that been like you know you like what we're talking about do you have you kind of got to yes. find the real jamie again yeah i think i think that was i think that was also the beginning of lockdown that was pretty key for that to happen i think i had i worked pretty hard and um i i kind of 
you know, I work pretty hard and I will socialize a lot. And so it's quite a lot to do. And I think even though lockdown was a terrible thing at the very beginning, it was kind of a blessing in disguise for me. And it was always the time that I took a step back from this and then I district and then I sort of have taken a total step back. Um, and it is, it is because you cling on to things for a long, a long time. And actually when you step away from stuff, you kind of realize what there is and what's going on. And for me, it was very cathartic to step back and also realize mm. that there are other things to achieve and do and, and when you're focusing on a show like that for so long, you kind of blur the edges a lot of the time. Well, now that we're being introspective, mm -hmm. it's a perfect opportune moment to move on to chapter three, which is the place where you learn the most about yourself. Yeah. So the place that I learnt, my, learnt most about myself was I was 18, I was 19 years old, and I went traveling around South America. And I just left school. Um, I was a big sportsman and I wanted to be going and become a professional rugby player. Wow. I, in my last year of school, I was on tour in Italy and I basically it tore my ACL ligament, which meant that I couldn't play sport again. Now, this was a massive blessing That's in disguise. So gutting. Yeah, oh, it was awful. A blessing though. A huge blessing, right? Because if you're painting, you want to be an artist. If you're playing a musical instrument, you want to be a, you know, a rock star. I wanted to be a rugby player. I was always going to be too small. I was always going to get be getting injured. I never would have made it, but I would have tried. And the fact that the injury forced me not to be able to do it meant that um, it was pretty devastating for me at that age because all my dreams ripped away from me. But it was a massive blessing mm. in disguise. And I didn't get the grades to get to university, so I had to take a year out um, to then reapply the following year. And I went traveling around South America with my buddies. And it was the first time I'd ever seen the world. I'd lived in this bubble. I went to boarding school at eight years old to 18. People did my socks for me and I had to change my bed and I was fed all the time. This was the first time ever that I was able to go out and, you know, buy a drink by myself or, you know, um, go and do whatever I wanted to. And we went traveling around to Bolivia, to Rio, to Buenos Aires. I was held at knife point in Copacabana Beach. And even though it was damn scary, got everything mugged for me, it was like, holy smokes, this actually happens and this actually goes on. And I got to see yeah. the world and I got to meet some amazing people and hear languages and and really not have my parents or anyone telling me what to do. And I was always this sort of butterfly that always wanted to go. I hated feeling trapped. Mm -hmm. And I was the first time that I was able to sort of quite cheesily spread my wings and and experience the world in different cultures. And that's why I love people. People are epic. Mm -hmm. And we forget that. We forget that's why I do my podcasts. And, you know, Holly, probably why you do yours is because hearing other people's stories and things like that is so incredible. And it was the love of traveling around South America that kind of gave me that. So, yeah, that was the first time. And it must have been in Buenos Aires, Argentina. It was the excitement of life. Like, whoa, life doesn't isn't just about waking up in the morning and going to, like, English class and trying to learn for exams <laughs> and stuff like that. It's so much yeah. more. I have a yeah. backpack and I'm staying in hostels and, you know, it was just so cool. And we were being naughty and we were being mischievous, but also being fun at the same time. It was just great. It was amazing. Oh, sounds wonderful. Mm. And I imagine you learn a lot about yourself taking part in Strictly this year. I am a confessed Strictly super fan. <laughs> Anyone who knows me would, 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 would know that. And you obviously reached the final in the most recent series in 2020, which was an epic achievement. Mm. Um, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so did you, I mean, did you always think that you would, you had it in you to get to the final or um, do you think that things kind of clicked into place further down the line? 
I I have this weird thing where I always think that I'm going to just do it. I don't. It's bizarre. Like I've always self-belief. I don't think it's self-belief because I'm massively insecure and and I think I have imposter syndrome in lots of different ways. But I do. I have this. I I I never doubt myself. So if someone said to me, if you had a fight with Mike Tyson, who would win? I'd say, well, I'd win. I mean, I have this, and it's it's bizarre. It's nonsense, right? But I just say it. And so for me, going into Strictly, I was like, well, of course I'm going to win it. I'm obviously going to win it. And the weird thing is you have that sort of self-belief in things, and it's hard to kind of make yourself believe it. If you do that, you can do a lot more things. And it was the most incredible experience. It was amazing. And what Strictly taught me the most of is that, Honestly, you know, people say if you put your mind to something, you can do it, and you just it takes time and you have to practice at it. I was like, mm, okay, really. I've never done that in life. I've never, you know, in exams, I was crap because I never really revised. And, you know, and, and sport came naturally to me because I could catch a ball and things. I didn't really have to work on it. But strictly was really hard because I wasn't great at hearing the music. So it's basically like learning Shakespeare without knowing what you're actually saying. <laughs> it's quite hard to do. And what it really taught me yeah, is that, un- yeah, understand the process. So if you are trying to learn Spanish or you're trying to le- do an equation or you're trying to write a business plan or whatever it is, and you're not getting it straight away, just be persistent because at some point it will click. And that's what you have to do. And for Strictly, that really taught me that because every single week you're learning a different dance. Mm. And patience. Patience and persistence. Total, total patience. Patience was a big one, but that was I'm very impatient. And because of COVID, it kind of really felt like the whole nation was watching that series, didn't it? Everyone was so invested because we just needed something to cheer us up on a Saturday night. Yeah, it totally was. And it was one of those amazing things, which is, you know, people were just so excited to you know, experience something different, to get escapism, to have all of this going on. And it was, it's, it's one of the best shows I've ever done. And yeah. people, ent- not only did we get to go out and do this fun thing, we got to entertain everyone every single weekend. It's hard. I can tell you that for sure. It is not easy. It is a really, and mental, it's, it, the fitness is fine. It's the mental side of it, which is pretty exhausting because you're having comments and you're this and you're in the bottom two and you know, you're thinking about this and that, but um, it's an incredible show, so much fun and, and something that will stay with me forever. So loads of the Strictly dances are, of course, rooted in different countries around the world, mm-hmm. Argentina, Brazil, Cuba. So if you were to pick one of the dances that you learned and dance them in its homeland, which would you pick and why? Oh my God, that's a good question. Um, I would have to say... I'm now going to Google it so I don't get it wrong because that would be, uh, where is the salsa from? <laughs> salsa dance? Google. Yeah, salsa Alexa. dance. Okay, Alexa, salsa dance. It's it's a, it's a Latin dance, obviously. Uh, it's in the 60s, so it's from New York. It originated in New York City in the 1960s. Oh, my goodness, it was meant to be. It's meant to be. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, for, for me, I always say this. So um, it's funny with Latin and, Latin and ballroom, right? So... I don't know if you if anyone's if anyone's snowboarded or skied right if anyone's ever done that uh, if you look at snowboarders they kind of all look the same you know it's snowboarding you kind of it's, it's obviously it's an, if you're mediocre to good at snowboarding you kind of look similar with skiing there's a definite difference between the the good ones and not so good ones right um, yeah and with snowboarding it's much harder to learn but it's much harder to learn but easier to kind of look good at it with skiing it's much easier to learn. 
but much harder to look good at it. And I look at that with the ballroom in Latin. Latin dancing, to get the steps, is hard. It's like snowboarding. It's hard to get. But once you get it, you can kind of look cool doing it. With ballroom, it's quite easy mm-hmm. to get the steps, but to look good doing it, it is tough. You have to connect stuff with that. So for me, the Latin dance, the salsa, everyone talks about my street dance and Hercules and that. I love the salsa. It was just, <laughs> it just yeah. felt like there and in my body. And I really, and I kept saying to Karen, my dancer, I said, I don't understand why I'm getting this. And she's like, no, you're getting it. And I was like, I don't, I haven't had to worry about this one. This is just clicking. She says, sometimes it just clicks. So for me, salsa, turn me back to the 1960s, New York City and dance that. Amazing. Amazing. All right. So chapter four, mm-hmm. this is the big one. Your all time favorite destination. Where oh. would you pick? See, this is a really, really tricky one. Um, and there's loads of places I could pick for different reasons. I kind of fell in love with my girlfriend in South Africa and Cape Town. So that's pretty special to me. Mm-hmm. But for me, a place which I went recently, and I think with holidays, right, it's very easy to go and sit on the beach, go and party with your friends and stuff like that. But if you're looking for an adventure, and you're looking for something different and you want to go to a destination that is just like, here we go. And it's great. I would honestly pick Japan. Japan for me was this incredible place. 77% of its mountain range, firstly, right? Um, it has incredible skiing. It has beaches. It has amazing cities. The Japanese are the friendliest people in the entire world. There's no crime whatsoever. People don't commit crime. There's too much respect there. No. The food is unbelievable the yeah. culture is insane the the different it's so different to the western world in so many better ways right um and the sense of smell taste you know uh, like you know the the sort of wealth level is crazy out there um there's so many incredible things about japan that um it's so interesting but also what i loved about it I, for me it's a really cool destination japan is amazing when you went, where did you travel to? Oh, we, we, I, I was actually there doing some work out there. But we, I got to go to, to, it started in Tokyo. And Tokyo, you know, it has the most Michelin-style restaurants because what the Japanese do is they, they master everything. So they have more Michelin-style Italian restaurants than they do in Italy because what the Japanese did is they went yeah. to Italy for 10 years and mastered the Italian food, took it back to Japan, and then tweaked it a little bit. Mm-hmm. The reason why the, the Japanese whiskey is the best in the world is because they went to Scotland for 10 years, studied all the whiskey, and then took it back to Japan and made it even better. You know, it's just this incredible place. And we went, to, we went there to Tokyo, then I went to Kobe, which is where Kobe beef is, is, is made, and we went to Osaka, and it was just... You know, we went to baths and we went to these hot springs and we experienced sumo wrestlers and oh. that just, it's just really cool. Yeah. It's just, and I didn't get to do the skiing, but lots of friends have skied out there and I love skiing. And, and they, it's, it, they, there's a weird thing in Japan where the two, it, two weathers collide. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but it means that when snowfall happens there, it's like sugar. It's a different density. And so if you ski on it, it's like skiing through sugar. It's apparently incredible. Ah, wow. A reason to go back. A reason to go back. Yeah, 100%. So I read that you collect key cards from all the hotels that you stayed in and you've got like over 100 of these. Is that right? Yeah, you've done your... (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) Again, that sounds super privileged. But when I was in the early days of doing Made in Chelsea... The way that you earned money was you're invited, very embarrassingly, to nightclubs. Mm-hmm. They were called personal appearances, and you go to these nightclubs and wave yeah. at people, and it was just all cringe and embarrassing and awful in every single way. But 
it paid you money and that's the way you do it. So I have been up and down the country and stayed in different hotels. That's including with travel for work and things like that. So I have hotel room cards from the, the Holiday Inn in Bolton to <laughs> um, staying in, uh, you know, staying in the Hyatt Hotel in New York. So I have that range of different hotel and every single hotel I've ever stayed in, doesn't matter if it was for one night or even for half a day, I've kept the room card. You know you're not meant to do that. <laughs> I know, don't tell anyone. <laughs> uh, well, well <laughs> which of those means the most? Like, which is, do you have a favourite hotel? I, I mean, I have, I have a lot, I have a few hotels for different reasons that I, that I really like. Um, and the, I, it's not a hotel, but I went to, it's, the thing is, it's very, it's pretty glamorous, right? So, so I sort of hesitant to say these things, but, but I, you know, I think it's, you know, it's a, I got to be honest in these things. And I went to stay in this place called Lamu in the Maldives once, um, a mm. while ago. And, um, the six senses hotel there. Uh, was oh, yeah. was pretty spectacular um you know jumping out and it's I, I i'm so lucky to be able to do these things right so lucky but to wake up in the morning and walk out and dive into the ocean and and see sharks when they're in turtles and i love turtles and and these kind of things and the weather being great and you are not allowed to wear shoes there you just have to be barefoot all the time and mm. and that for me was a pretty pretty amazing place yeah so the, the six senses llama is a real place to unwind Ah, oh, sounds gorgeous probably one of the only hotels where you don't have a key card. You don't have a key card. Yeah, you don't have a key card. It's a key. I couldn't take it. <laughs> so chapter five is your hidden gem. Can you tell me about a place that you really love that maybe the listeners might not have heard of or haven't been to? I tell you what, I've got a really good one. It's a pretty bizarre one. Again, when I was um, I was traveling and it was uh, in South America and it's a place in Peru mm. called Parate. Um, and it's the sort of northern part of Peru, and it's this surfing town, and it is wonderful. It is very cool. It's the food is cool. The, the culture is amazing. Um, the surfing, I don't surf, but the waves are huge, and it was a really incredible experience. And and for me, that's an amazing place to go. Now I understand that's quite far for some of the listeners to sort of understand how you know to go to Peru and all those different things. So a similar place. But in Europe that I also want to say, which is an amazing place and also like a surfing town. And this sounds bizarre, but Biarritz. Um, and Biarritz is in the south mm -hmm. of France. Um, it's a surfing town and it is so cool there. It's quirky. It's small. The food is great. There's drinks. It's a young vibe. Um, it's on a beach. The surfing is incredible. Um, and for me, those kind of two places are and not that Biarritz is really a hidden gem at all. Parate is definitely a bit of a hidden gem. So, what does Parate look like? Because I, when I think about Peru, not I've yeah. not been. Um, I think of big mount, like the mountains, True. essentially, and you know Machu Picchu and stuff. So, so what what does it look like there? It's it's a beach town. You arrive in that there's kind of one road coming in, and it's a beach town, and. On your left is all the houses on the beaches and you have small sort of boutique hotels. And it's, it's definitely a tourist place, right? So it's, it's, it's definitely built for people to come and, and go surfing and things like that. It's dusty. Um, it's walk in, sit outside restaurants. Uh, people, there's not much English there. Yeah. It's one of these places which is really cool and sexy and fun. And it's just. It's mysterious. I remember being there and just thinking, where have we found ourselves? We didn't know really where we were. And we found staying in these amazing two houses that cost us $5 a night. 
That was it. Mm, Two amazing houses. It was costing $5 a night. And it was an incredible place. Parate. And we used to call it Parate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really, yeah we, and I remember lying next. To, we had a pool. Paying $5 a night. We had this pool. I remember oh. lying there listening to the Ricky Gervais podcast with the Stephen Merchant and uh, Carl Pingleton. And I remember laughing my head off. Thinking, this is paradise. And that was in Parate. It was just amazing. Walking onto the beach, huge surf. It was just unbelievable. Parate, northern Peru was just amazing. Mm. Okay. Added to my list for sure. Yeah, it's really cool. I said to my dad, he's a travel agent, when I said, you've got to check this place out. He said, I've never heard of it. And I said, just check it out. He never has, but it's really cool. Has it, so has your dad given you some top tips over the years as to where you should go? Yeah, of course. My dad is always, you know, my dad, his company's called Steps East. So his is all East, but he, you know, he kind of wants me to go to, you know, Tibet and Mm -hmm. he wants me to go to um, loads of kind of places where Nepal and it's a, you know, a bit more exciting and the culture's different. And, you know, one of the places he told me recently that he said I should go is Burma thinks Burma is amazing. You go up in these hot air balloons and see the sunrise and sunset and you see all the lights oh, and it's yeah. just incredible. And and so, and you get to different places. You know, when I was younger, holidaying and going to different destinations was all about where I could kiss a girl or, you know, go with my friends and we could party with Now it's just about experiencing the world because we only have one. I got told this thing the other day. Um, we have, what? what is it? I'm going to read it to you. Someone told me this quote and it's so true. And we get to a certain age that we suddenly go, do you know what? I totally understand what you're saying there. And it is... Uh, we have two lives. The second begins when you realize you only have one. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of true. We kind of just run through life as we're younger, just going, oh, my God, this and that. And then we get to a certain age and we go, God, I would really quite like to see the pyramids. And I would really like to ride a camel or go and try, you know, go to Japan and do this and that. Because we realize we can't, you know, you only have one chance to do that pretty much, right? Like, so why not try and experience all of these things? Totally. And so for me, and especially now because of lockdown, when no one's been able to travel, travel is a pretty wicked thing and the best thing about travel is you know it's accessible where it wasn't before it was for the rich wealthy and powerful and now it's kind of for everyone which is amazing yeah yeah and then a bit closer to home you've lived in london most of your adult life right Mm -hmm. so do you have any hidden gems or like favorite spots that you'll always go to in london um i i'm a big fan the, the notting hill area um for me is just you know, Notting Hill, Labbert Grove area. I kind of mm-hmm. grew up around that area, going to my friend's house, a guy called Charlie Kinsley all the time. And it brings back so many memories. And, and I now, lucky, I, I live in Notting Hill. And it's the community vibe here. Um, and some people say it's not as cool as when it was, when Portobello Road was thriving and stuff like that. But, you know, things change. But for me, it's such a fun, cool area. So many different cultures, so many different people. Everyone's so welcoming and friendly. And, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I really, I like Notting Hill a lot. And if you want food, if you want drinks, if you want different places, there's Greek food. There's a place called Mazzi um, that I absolutely love. And I always give them a shout out because they're a family run business and it's Greek food. And it that tamasalata there is out of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's pretty cool. But in the UK as well, we used to go to a place called the, uh, we used to go to Mull, which is the island of Mull which is just up in Scotland. And I used to go again there with my cousins. And um, that's a pretty special place. So in contrast, chapter six is your worst travel experience. Is there a place that you would never go back to or like a nightmare that you had while you were abroad? Yeah, we, my, my parents got divorced. 
my mum was very upset because she wanted to keep the family together and things like that. And my mum said, look, I'm going to have to take the kids somewhere. I'm going to have to take the kids somewhere because, you know, they're, they're upset, all these different things. And my dad said, don't worry, i got the perfect place. He sent us to a lat in Israel. <laughs> it's honestly was not. We, it was the concrete building that we stayed in, and it was about 45 degrees. <laughs> and, and, you know, we were these blonde-haired kids turning up that, you know, we were definitely the odd ones out. And it was just a pretty bizarre place for our dad to send us on holiday. A lat um, was a pretty, oh, yeah, I don't remember much about it because I think I wiped from my memory but we didn't have anything to do the tv we couldn't watch because there was no tv and we stayed in this place so yeah a lot in Israel was pretty funky I haven't been back since I was about nine years old or whatever it was so I can't comment now but back then it was a pretty funky place I've, I've been to a lot actually when I was young have you too. been to a lot I have yeah because we went on holiday to um Jerusalem and like to kind of travel around Amazing. the kind of historic Beautiful. sites I yeah. wish I, you know, it's one of those things. I wish I could remember it better. Like I was younger. I've done, I've done, t- I went to Tel Aviv and I really loved it. Oh that. yeah. I really want to go to Tel Aviv. Yeah. Wow. It was, I went with my business partner. We went there and firstly, everyone there is so beautiful. I mean, everyone is just stunning. Um, and, and also the great thing about Tel Aviv is if you speak to people there, which we did, cause we were part of this, um, community thing anyway, um, everyone is so patriotic. In, in a kind of cool way and not in sort of an aggressive, you know, Southern American way. Um, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's all about their country and they all have to go into the army at a certain age. And that's the you know, point. And, and also it's one of the best places for startups. You know, everyone's about being an entrepreneur and helping each other. And um, it was a, and it also they, they have great parties there. Oh, yeah, it's a real party city. It's real party place and food's amazing. So uh, Tel Aviv, I'd love to go back again. Mm. Well, I can't believe it. We're on to the final chapter of your travel diaries, Jamie. That is chapter seven, which is the destination at the top of your travel bucket list. Where would that be? Oh, I've got a few. Um, do I have a few? A place where I've got two places. Can I say two again? I'm being so greedy. Of course. This. I'm so sorry. Of course you can. So the two places um, where I really want to go, um, and both I want to go with my girlfriend, I obviously don't want to go alone, but um, first one, which seems a bit weird is the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to go to the Grand Canyon. I love walking. Um, I love it. And I love adventures. And I love leaving my f- phone and just going and seeing things. And I would love to go to the Grand Canyon. I don't know why. I don't know what's great about it. But I would love to kind of do a road trip where I go to the Grand Canyon, then I go to New Orleans and all these kind of places. And that would be a really amazing time. And just to switch the phone off and just be me and my girlfriend and we just go traveling. And that would be wicked. I would love that. And the other place that I really want to go is New Zealand. Um, everyone who's ever been to New Zealand says it's beautiful and it's amazing and incredible. Um, and you know, only 3.2 or 4 million people, 3 to 4 million people live in New Zealand. I mean, it's really quite it's tiny mad, amount of it? people. Mad. Um, and so I would love to go and check out New Zealand because I think it's a wonderful country. And everyone who I've ever met from New Zealand is nice and kind. And I like kind people. Yeah, yeah, so true, so true. Oh, brilliant. Well, thank you so much for transporting us all around the world today, Jamie. Those were your travel diaries. It's been so fun to chat. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I absolutely love that. Thanks so much, Jamie. Jamie's podcast, Private Parts, is releasing episodes weekly wherever you get your podcasts. 
Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to hit subscribe on your podcast app so that you're updated with a new episode each week. And if you can't wait till next week or if you're new to the podcast, remember there's the first three seasons to catch up on from Michael Palin and Rick Stein to Dev Patel, Poppy Delavine and Richard Branson. To find out who's joining me next week, come and follow me on Instagram. I'm at Holly Rubenstein. I would love to hear from you. I love reading all of your messages and share your own travel diaries using the hashtag the travel diaries i'll be resharing your hidden gems your recommendations and all-time favorites on my instagram and here on the podcast later in the season thanks again for listening and i'll be back next week today's episode is supported by airbnb It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers just like I do? Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.